What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the Gifted Hoops podcast. We are officially here for episode 29. That's right, 29 episodes in of the Gifted Hoops podcast. And on this episode, we will be covering the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I'm joined here by a very special guest, great basketball mind, also a spitter himself. Wes, feel free to introduce yourself to the people. How you feeling, man? Yo, yo. Uh, appreciate you having me. Like uh, Gifted said, I am Wes. I do make music and I talk ball, so um, yeah, just just glad to be be here. Um, an OKC fan, as you might have guessed. So yeah, we can get into it. I'm happy to have Wes on here because we've had multiple basketball conversations all throughout the season. So having you on here specifically to you know talk about your team. I've never really talked about OKC one-on-one with you like this, so this should be pretty fun. His links and all that will be in the description. Wes, is there anything that you want the people to know? Uh, nah, just make sure you continue to support Gifted. One of the most genuine people I know. Great ball knower um, and, you know, a budding star. So keep supporting my dog, man. I appreciate you, brody. I appreciate you. But without further ado... Let's get right into it. This podcast can be found on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. All those links will be in the description. But OKC, man, this is a team that has seen a lot of different iterations. A team that had Kevin Durant, Harden, and Russell Westbrook, three MVP guys on one build at a point was here. And then obviously since the Paul George trade and the Russ trade, this team has seen many different builds. Talk to me about your feelings on OKC last year before this year, and what do you think their offseason was like? Yeah, so as you <laughs> laid it out, um, a big roller coaster in our in our organization, um, going from drafting three MVPs consecutively <laughs> um, to you know having to lose KD and get the PG, and then now the SGA era. And um, the 2022-23 um, season, I was pleased. I was really, really pleased as a fan. Um, I thought even with a bunch of injuries and a young roster, with Mark leading the crew and being at the helm and the SGA being the best player, and you know, leading more so by example, not even having to be too vocal, but showing, hey, the young guys, hey, this is how I got to this point in my career, this is how I got this good at hoops. And um, just encouraging everyone to continue to improve, progress in the internal development. And um, I was pleased with our 40 and 42. Like I said, uh, not having Chet all season, um, never really having a big man at all. Uh, Jalen Williams, not J-Tub. Um, being 6'9 and having to be our back line of defense the entire year. Left us without great rim protection, um, so I thought it was pretty good for us to still win 40 games, get into the play-in, win a game, and, you know, it didn't go our way against Minnesota, but um, I'm eager for, for the season, you know? Yeah, man, and I think the right thing to do with OKC is provide context. This is a team that, you know, pretty much every season has tried their best to compete and be competitive. So far in the SEJ era, they have tried to acquire a bunch of young talent to have a clear vision and i feel like last season before 2022-23 you saw this team have a rough you know draft in terms of what they wanted to accomplish i mean shea last year to me was also good obviously he got hurt so 
he didn't play as many games. But this was a young team on the rise. And then to draft J-Dub and then Chet in one offseason was a sensational pickup for OKC. Sadly, you know, as we know, Chet got hurt. But this is a team that just night in, night out, played hard, got up and down the court, really focused on developing their young talent. And like you said, Coach Mark is a wizard because the fact that this team was like a top 10 defense with no real front court depth or size, you got a whole lot of respect for real. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Yeah, like, you know, like I said, I'm I'm happy for our future, eager to see them this season. Um, And just enjoying, like I said, the internal development, seeing all the guys gel. They seem to get along. Um, and pretty good culture we have. So, you know, and Sam, I trust, and Mark, I trust, and SGA, I trust. Shout out Giddy, too, you know. Hey, listen, I'm a big Josh Giddy fan, as you may know. know. I'm not going to sit here in front. I think every year he's found a way to improve. Obviously, his standstill catch-and-shoot shooting needs to improve to really, you know, fit on this roster long-term. But I feel like the way that he's able to impact – the game from a playmaking sense i can't wait to see that chemistry with chet in their pick and roll sets but for giddy to compliment shay like shay deserves his own credit because this is a guy that coming in a a lot of people weren't really talking about and now he's gone from that guy to this guy who's a budding superstar i mean he had an all nba caliber season what were your expectations for shay coming into the year so if I'm super honest, I did expect a leap. Um, I can't say I expected an all-NBA first-team leap. That was not um, anything that I had anticipated. I did not expect him to have a top uh, 10 season, even you know, even though first-team all-NBA you know, says top five. But um, I think he had a top 10 season, and I, wasn't ex- I was expecting him to improve like I said, take that leap into truly being an all-star, maybe slotted third-team All-NBA, um, but I, I definitely didn't see what was to come. Um, and, you know, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh was always high on SGA, was, was worried about a few things, though, when it came to his free-throw percentage. It wasn't as good as I felt like it could be, and he cleaned that up, and he had a 10% jump which is insane. You don't see things like that. You know, an 80% free throw shooter became one of the best free throw shooters in the league. And if you go off volume um, with percentage, he was the best free throw shooter in the league last year, which is pretty insane. Um, and then, you know, the, the shooting splits, they were always solid, but he just became even more polished last year um, and took everything up a notch. So please see that. Yeah, Shea's mid-range progression this year was ridiculous. He's one of the best in-between guys in the league. But in terms of what he does best, this guy, even last year, this guy was leading the NBA in drives per game. And this year, the way that he was just consistently getting to the rim and getting to the free throw line, things like those are talents that will transcend a regular season. Obviously, we haven't got a chance to see Shea or this version of Shea specifically in a true playoff setting, but Shea Gilders absolutely for this regular season put this OKC team on his back and play at a very high level. 
for me, I look at Shea as a player that I'm very interested in because in terms of what NBA history will say, that Clippers trade where it's Kawhi, you know, in the background, basically, Paul George and all of these picks, they threw Shea in the deal. And now we're legitimately speaking on Shea, who for a lot of people is probably better right now than Paul George to be mm-hmm. a superstar caliber talent. The better that Shea gets and what OKC is able to accomplish off of the heels of this trade is really going to say a lot in the next five to six years. Where do you see this team with in that time span? The next five to six years, um, <laughs> the the fan in me, um, I really do see us being able to win a Larry OB, man. Um, I think that we've stockpiled a lot of assets, uh, picks, and players, and um, we're just waiting to, to make the move at the right player. Um, you know, everyone's always requesting out, seeking uh, a brighter home. And though OKC is in a crazy market, I think we're primed to make any deal that we see fit, um, given, you know, those circumstances. But at the same time, even if we stand packed, I think we'll be um, definitely Western Conference Finals bound in the next five years, six years. Um, and SGA will be right in the like heart of his prime I, you know he's 25 now by the time he's 28 you know that's a three-year four when you include this season a four-year um outlook but by the time he the, that 28 to 32 range if we're able to keep him at okc i think uh the sky's the limit man i think anything is possible um especially with the way that giddy developed this year um, and then now seeing him, or this past year, now seeing him move into 23, 24, um, and watching him during FIBA, um, he, he's such a sound player, um, and he does so many things really well in the one area, in, you know, of his game, offensively at least, it's not that great in his shooting. He makes up for it with IQ, his heading, his, uh, excuse me, his headiness and um, playmaking, the the ball handle at six eight, you know things you just can't teach, you know, and he he has those things. So um, I, I'm looking forward to everything, and yeah, five six years, especially with Chet a part of the program now, being healthy and being on the court, <laughs> I think the sky's the limit. Western Conference Finals for sure. And um, hopefully Larry will be. Hey, man, I am super high on Chet. I think he's going to be very, very good. I think that the way that he wants to compete tremendously and how, like, he's already, you know, been in workouts with Kevin and a bunch of the other elite of the elite NBA talent, a lot of people are high on Chet. And I feel like him not playing his first year, he got a chance to watch and learn from a lot of the things that were going on with them on the basketball floor so now coming into year two you get a chance to plug a big in that system who can you know block shots at the rim space the floor do you know a ton of pick and pops and even sometimes operate with the ball in his hands to you know go at switches i think chet is the last piece for okc in terms of structurally 
that makes your team make sense. I still think at the early stages of his career, you're probably going to have to have one other big man to help Chet ease his way into that five spot sometime in the future. But Chet's skill and talent with Mark's genius, with Shea's raw athleticism in terms of getting to the basket and his skill, this is a team that's going to have size, length, and skill, which equals versatility. And we always say in our talks, Wes, versatility is really what determines if a team can win a title or not in the future. Yep, yeah, we, um, the mic still good? Uh, just some things over here. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, we just recently talked about lineup versatility on Twitter. We had, we had a space about that and, um, how lineup versatility to, you know, our little community of, uh, ball talkers, um, is one of the most important things to building a championship roster. Um, and having just that flexibility one through eight, at least to where you have players who can play multiple different positions, but also who check a lot of different boxes on both sides of the floor. Um, so having those, you know, four or five players who can all be ball handlers, can all penetrate, uh, catch and shoot, uh, slashers, all of those things all combined in one for about four or five different players on your roster. How, how seamless that makes it um, when you're building a roster to compete at the highest level. Yeah, that type of stuff matters. Obviously, the team that won this year, Denver, I mean, the size and the length that they had, they had multiple different looks that they could give a team defense. And with Shea, like, what I like about his game is, as good as he is, I feel like he can also be a complimentary player in terms of fitting around in a system and maximizing other talents because he has the size, he has the frame to be a pretty solid defender on the other end. And then again, the way that he can just catch the ball and go he really determines the pace of his defender every single time. It's kind of Luca-esque, but in his own natural way. And I think when you pair that with Josh's passing and Chet's skill at that size, with J-Dub's like, strength, this is a team that can just throw you many different looks. And again, last year, they were the most up-and-down team in the league. I will never forget, Wes. When, when y'all played the Boston Celtics, when they came into OKC and y'all blew them out without Shea by like 57 right. points. That was crazy. Yeah, man. Crazy game. Um, and it just it shows you, it goes to show how having multiple ball handlers, uh, playmakers, size, length, how, how much that matters and having the proper shooting. You got to have those floor spacers as well and i think we've done a good job thus far of doing that and actually being able to stay young in the in the process at the same time because that's another important thing um not mortgaging too much of your youth while you're building that championship um team especially almost from scratch you know with our hard rebuild and the crazy pivot we took um after the 19th season. Yeah, it like, I'm sorry. P people got to give OKC more credit because the amount of draft capital y'all have 
Like literally, if you chose to blow up this build and just say, okay, let's go get this guy or that guy or that guy, you have the most capital of any team in the league to make that vision a reality. So in terms of like four years or five years, people, you know, say, well, Shay's 24 or 25. How does he fit long-term? Shay's still young and he's still a very good player. And if OKC finds themselves in position to contend, they can make it work around Shea because they have the framework with the both player assets but the draft capital to make it happen. I don't really get why people try to say, okay, well, Shea has to go because he's young and, and this and that. He just signed. Like, I'm pretty sure Shea will be a Oklahoma City Thunder in the next four years. I agree. I don't think that his timetable doesn't align with us. I think it all aligns together. And <clears throat> excuse me, that's why I give Sam so much credit um, from all of the decisions he's made, from the players we've drafted to signing Mark and trusting him to lead us into um, our next journey as a team and as, a, as an organization. I think that everything has been like to a T. And even though that, the odds haven't always gone uh, or worked in our favor when it comes to the lottery. We've still been able to get really solid players who had an immediate impact amongst touching the NBA um, as opposed to being, you know, super long projects. We do have those projects as well, though, and Usman Jane, but we've also been able to get Giddies. We've also been able to get J-Dubs, um, who I didn't expect to be that good his rookie season. But, you know, he pleasantly surprised me and I think a lot of the fan base as well. And just the ability to to do things like that um, while also keeping an SGA locked in and not having him uh, be ready to give up on the program and on the rebuild because we were able to be competitive when he wanted us to be competitive. Um, keeping Dort in the system and, you know, all the things he provides defensively. Um, and how, how strong he is and how heady he is at his position and things of that nature and how he can always scale up um, even though he's a two guard. Um, I, I think he's just, you know, Presti has done an amazing job uh, as usual, as always. So. Even in this draft, which we talked about it, like right? Like I kind of felt like this year, this really could have been a, a year where they say, okay, we're going to dump as many draft picks as possible and let's get Scoot and let's pair him with Shea and really take off. I know you want that bad, right? Yeah, that's what I wanted to have. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. 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 Like like that that type of athleticism in a backcourt, bro, I really want you to like really focus on that vision because you brought this idea up and like I thought about it and it's like they have all this draft capital. And this, like, this draft is a rich draft, especially top three. I feel like the next year is kind of in question. After that, should be really good with, I believe, Cooper Flag and maybe Ken mm -hmm. Anthony, maybe. But for you personally, why did Scoot appease you so much in terms of giving up a lot of draft assets this year? You know, um, for the people who, when they hear this, won't know or don't know, excuse me. Russell Westbrook is my favorite player, volatile. 
And I think he, a lot of um, his good attributes in a scoop, but I also see scoop having the ability to be better um, in some of the areas where I feel Russ is weak. Um, and scoops downhill rim pressure, um, his ability to get in the lane and kick out, still see the floor, the passing, the playmaking. And it's so natural. You can tell when you see a player who is working through the kinks and trying to become a better playmaker, but then you can also tell when you see that player who naturally is a heady point guard and just has all these other attributes to make him such a dominant scorer um, with the athleticism and um, just understanding the game and his spots and where he wants to score on the court, um, how he wants to get to his spots, what he wants to do after that, uh, reading things prior to them happening, all of those things. I, I just felt like um, Scoop would be a great fit. And then also defensively, he wants it. You know, you, you see a lot of young guys who are really locked in on that end, don't really want to compete on both sides of the ball. Uh, but Scoop, you can't say that about. He wants to compete offensively and defensively. And just that tandem with SGA, you know, SGA being the best at getting to the rim in the league. And then, oh, by the way, we're going to drop Scoot in the, in the mix. Uh, let, let any let any backcourt try to deal with that. Let any frontcourt um, try to protect the rim against those two. And it's going to be a lot of nightmares. So um, I thought it would have made sense, but I'm still trusting our vision. Um, especially because, like I said earlier, Every year, there's another player who you didn't expect to ask out to ask out. And every year, there's another superstar who um, is growing unhappy and is looking at greener pastures. And um, us staying packed and being ready to, you know, make any move we need to make in the future, I think that's a smart move. Especially under the new CBA, which is going to be way stricter, way more limiting on all of these other teams. Like draft capital and asset management are at the forefront when it comes down to roster construction in the NBA. And I feel like we live right now in a place where a lot of people, for the most part, go through these instances of saying, okay, we need to win now. So let's trade all of our draft capital. Let's trade all of our young, great players to make it work now and when it doesn't work they now are in cap hell and in you know team flexibility hell for multiple multiple years okc is in the complete opposite of that to where they can zig or zag however they want whatever year they want because they have the picks and more importantly the development of the players right now as good as j-dub is right now right the better j-dub is the more of an asset he will be to another team if you have to zig or zag like that flexibility is great but at the same time to be fair i will say this flexibility is is amazing to have but at a certain point you do have to commit to a vision you don't want to just say on paper we have all of these draft picks and then not really make much of anything with it because ultimately they are going to be judged by what they do with these draft picks agreed and that's another conversation we've had in the past about teams having direction and all of their moves fitting that direction? Do they all merge together as one and do they complement each other? Um, and I feel like to your point, 
um, OKC at this point has done that. And if if there is a big chip to fall, I think we'll be right there um, with whoever we have to mortgage outside of SCA um, and Chet. So uh, I'm looking forward to it, you know. Yeah, I kind of want to ask you, though. So this year, how did you feel about the Case and Wallace pick? Man, <laughs> I was I was super stoked. Um, I like his off-ball utility. I like his um, on-ball utility. I like his ability to defend. Um, and like I said, utility on offense between being able to be utilized on and off the ball and still be complimentary. You know, a lot of players in today's league, especially as league guards, are so ball dominant. And they need yes. the ball to really establish their rhythm. They need the ball to impact the game. Um, and Kassan isn't that, you know. Um, he he proved at Kentucky that whether he's in an on-ball role or an off-ball role, he can be effective. And then we all know defensively, um, he's just another. <laughs> he, he's a first-team All-NBA guy. He's getting or holiday comparisons. guy, yeah. First team all defense got ready, waiting to happen. So um, I was excited. Uh, you know, I was pleased with the pick. I like his work in summer league as well. Um, and the more he works on that three ball and just stretching the floor, super dangerous, man. And um, you know, I don't, I don't remember who did you just say he was getting compared to. They compared him to Drew Holiday. I was just about to say myself, I see a lot of Drew Holiday in him um, with a higher upside in terms of being, you know, a shooter. Although the past two years, Drew's been an amazing shooter um, and his uh, off the dribble numbers are crazy. But yeah, if, if Kassan, even though he doesn't have that same size, if he can fill that role, especially like just on ball POA, um, I think that could bode really well for our future um, as well because, you know, that'll give us all the flexibility and versatility we need. I view OKC as a team that a lot of teams in the future are going to try to copycat because what they've effectively done is they've made a roster of guys that have strength, size, a bunch of switchability, but can play different styles. They don't have the non-spacer guy in, in Chet. Chet's skill and talent. He can do, you know, ball handles. He can do a inverted pick and roll if he needed to. He can also rebound the basketball and push the pace. Having interchangeable ball handlers gives you so many different looks. And what matters in the playoffs is there's so many limited possessions where your skill players are going to stand out a lot more because they're going to throw the biggest guys at Shea that's going to happen so having other plans of attack outside of Shea is key to them you know having long-term success and I think that <laughs> J-Dub I mean this guy was one of the best rookies last year Ar arguably for a lot of people he was the best rookie in terms of his efficiency you don't see mm -hmm. rookies come in like that talented understanding exactly what to do not just on offense, but also on the defensive end as well. Like the size and the talent there, he can be a real bruising type of scoring wing for Oklahoma. And 
two years or, or three years when Shea is in his prime we're expecting to see the best version of all of these guys and this team can be so so crazy to me agreed agreed um was really impressed with J-Dub last year um and then seeing his offseason him bulking up and big you know <laughs> exactly and he I just saw a post yesterday on IG he he's trimmed down again but you know when you bulk up and then you trim you keep that strength you just lose the weight and and that's um necessary for the up and down nature of the NBA but I was pleased with J-Dub last year um and again like you know when a guy comes in and he's better than you expect and better than you anticipated you know that that next step is going to be you know just super gratifying um and that's the thing about J-Dub that I'm eager to see this year um how he improves as an off-ball shooter and as a decision maker in the half court when he gets the ball, how he attacks closeouts, um, if you know him looking to pass at the right time, him looking to score at the right time, and then defensively just continuing to do what he does. Um, I love his ability to scale up and down, um, and I think that was really really important for us last year. And I hope he can continue to you know stay on that same trajectory. And yeah, anything can can happen with with him, man, because. You know, 23 years old, um, old for a second-year player, but still young in the grand scheme of things. And he's showing that um, he already improved a lot from Santa Clara to his um, rookie season. And, you know, who knows what's next to come. I think when you come into the league with an NBA body already and you're still not in the best version of yourself regardless of like how old you are as long as you're not you know obviously like 26 right but coming in that young still with that frame he's gonna fill out what surprised me is I thought initially he, he was gonna be like this big dude that could just play defense or slash but the ball handle is live and real and I'm like at that size for him to look so comfortable with ball handling and more importantly taking pull-up shots at his like strength and size it's like my goodness and then you pair that with again Shea and Chet who are they're both tall there's like for for all these guys at their positions they're tall and that's where the right. league is going like the size and the skill collectively is going to make things crazy crazy and in my opinion that's why OKC was able to sustain a, a top 10 caliber defense because while they didn't have a true back line, they had so many guys that were pesky in terms of POA defense and really getting into you that exactly. they didn't need the back line as much. Agreed, agreed. And then it didn't hurt to have a guy on the back line in Jalen Williams who was so good at taking timely charges, knowing how to be in the right place at the right time, and um, using his length and his headiness to defend versus, you know, his size, you know, because he's undersized at 6'9". But, um, yeah, I, I was really pleased. And I agree with you. The um, versatility we have between Dort and J-Dub to go be POAs, you know, 
Dort, you get on the lead guard, J-Dub. You get on the best wing score. And then SDA, you pitch in with your length and your headiness. Uh, Giddy, we put you on the worst offensive player, but you still, you know, pitch in with being able to read lanes and and just picking up sets and using your headiness to be a good defender and, and pitch in when need be. And then, like I said, with Jay Will, excuse me, last year and what he provided, but then now putting Chet in that starting lineup and you being able to protect the rim, give us some help side, backside defense, anything that we need, um, I think we have in our versatility. Uh, so uh, I'm pleased. And for all these things right here, how we broke down, that brings us to what happened this season. Because again, OKC was a team that a lot of people felt was going to be a bottom feeder team. They were going to be like this team that was super duper competitive. And up and down throughout the entire season, they competed with the best of them. They smashed every time they played the Lakers. They gave Golden State really good competition. They blew out the Boston Celtics by 50 points without Shea Gilgis even playing basketball. Time and time again, they shatter expectations. And then in the postseason, why they didn't make the playoffs, I think those two play-in games were critical for their development. I think in the first game, that up and down affair they had where it was Shea versus Brandon Ingram and they were trading bucket for bucket at the highest level. I think that was big. And at the same time, them playing a team in the Timberwolves who were just taller, bigger, and used their size against them also showed areas where they could get better. What were your thoughts about their season in terms of how far they made it? And what was the biggest difference in the two playing games in your mind? Yeah, man. Um, I reiterate, like, from earlier, I was pleased with the way the season went. Um, being in a position to make the plan, um, given all the adversity we faced last year, to still overcome that and be in a position to eventually make the playoffs, excuse me, was super important to me. Then getting to the play-in and, and <laughs> facing New Orleans and seeing SGA be able to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with another really good player in the NBA who at that time, Brandon Ingram, man, he was on such a run to close the season. Um, health was the only thing that has ever held him back. Like when he's fully healthy, He's always in the mix for, you know, just really good players, really good hoopers. And for SGA to trade buckets with them, to to be able to always have an answer. And then the team as a whole to stay engaged because New Orleans was in the play-in last year. And they won both of their play-in games and then got to the first round and took two off of Phoenix, who the year before was just in the finals. Um and to see us be able to go in, and I, if I'm not mistaken, we were in New Orleans, go yes. in New Orleans and beat them on the road in a must-win game uh, to keep our season alive, I thought it was really impressive and it showed me a lot about just the maturity of our team. And then going to face Minnesota and just how lopsided of a matchup it was, um, dealing with Rudy um, and Kat, and then also Kyle Anderson, who has size and is heady. Um, 
Anthony Edwards, a budding star in this league. Mike Conley, a veteran, understanding those moments never be, you know, that that moment will never be too big for him. And um, though we didn't win, it was still nice to see us compete um, after getting down big, trying to roar back, and SCA having a bad first half and coming out in the second half and really putting on a show, um, you know, even in a losing effort. I was still glad that, you know, we just had the journey last year. We were able to see us grow at each step, even leading into the plan. Um, all of those games were pivotal for us. Oh, yeah. We had to win so many of those games, and we went and we did that. Um, and that that get, gave me a lot of promise for the future. So, Yeah, that, that West right there is why I'm higher on the plan than most people. Because mm. for teams like OKC, for those younger teams who can still be in the mix, at the end of your season, you're basically playing your version of these are playoff games because we need to get these games to advance to get any further. Otherwise, we're out. And that race in the West, I mean, we know exactly what it was. One day, one day, I believe the Pelicans were literally the one seed. And within four games, they dropped to the 13 seed. Like, it, right. it's that neck and neck in the West. So all those games down the stretch absolutely matter for OKC. And you saw the development and the growth from many players on the team towards the end of their season. So even though they didn't make the playoffs, they played meaningful basketball games. And what matters most in developing these players and getting them to where we expect them to be is getting that experience in games that matter. Right. Being in all of those moments, um, I think it bodes well for this season, you know, because no moment will be too big, you know, no light will be too bright. And I think that's how you build um, teams that are ready for the um, four rounds in the playoffs as opposed to just the 82, you know, so I was happy with that. Well, now that we've officially gone through the entire past season, it's time to put you on wax here, Wes. And listen, this is hard, okay? I want to be clear. The Western Conference is deep. It's a very good uh, uh, collection of talent for all the teams involved here. I feel like a lot of people are higher on OKC to go much further. But for you, what are your expectations of the whole Oklahoma City Thunder? Right, man. Um... It's funny because I just had this conversation not too long ago, but I do expect a six-game improvement this season, um, and I expect us to be in a position to where we're either the seventh seed hosting a playoff game or, I mean, hosting both play-in games, excuse me, um, if we end up having to play two, or um, us being the sixth seed and being able to have a full series, but I do see uh, 46 wins, give or take one, because um, I could see 45, um, but pretty firm at 46. And um, yeah, I just see us being in a position to where we are probably still in the play-in at, at the, as the seventh seed, but you know, being in a position to host both play-in games if we need them. Um, to get in the playoffs, meaning if we need two, assuming we would lose the first one, 
um, I think that'll be great for us. And it's always like little baby steps. So I expect that. I do see a first round exit coming this year, but um, no matter who the matchup is, I, I feel like we'll push them six games. Um, I trust SGA to get one regardless. Um, and then uh, with the development for the other guys and just having Chet, um, assuming health for everyone, I think we'll be in a position to where we'll be able to get two games no matter who it is. And with us being a bottom, you know, tier seed, being the seventh seed going up against a two or potentially an eighth going up against a one, being able to get two games, um, I would say is a success for me personally. Um, and it being our first real year with this regime in the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm anticipating. I think those are fair expectations. And I feel like the NBA community is very weird because how do you go from this team is going to be at the bottom of the conference, they're not going to be great at all, to if you don't make the playoffs, it's a failure. Like, how they set people up with these expectations and don't just let people go out there and hoop, it, it kills the sport a lot of times for me, Wes. Like, let them be good. Let them play meaningful games. Let them get better. And it's baby steps. There, there are steps to becoming that team that wins, right? Denver, for many years, had to take time to get their chemistry, find out how to, how to play together, be good, get that continuity, then they won. It takes time. Right. Um, experience and, and taking your lumps. You know, there's no way to fast track that. You got to go through that. You you have to go through the disappointments, the heartbreaks, uh, the close, but yet so far at the same time moments. And, um, you know, it, it does nothing but build character, um, help, help maturity in those moments. And then also, like I said, the, the overall experience, you can't, you cannot, you know, escape it. You've got to get a certain level of experience. Even with your team, uh, the Warriors, you all had to take your lumps in the playoffs before you ended up becoming champions. And then the dynasty was there soon after. So, um, yeah, it, you know, it's bound to happen. And, um, I, you know, I just appreciate the journey. Yeah, I think those are really well said words, because, again, we live in an era. And honestly, this is a bit bigger than basketball, but I feel like we live in a time where people expect instantaneous results. There shouldn't be any waiting. I have this phone. It's a high quality phone. I want my results now, now, now. But back in the day, we understood it took more time to get things done. For instance, Devin Booker, he spent multiple years on a team that was terrible. They drafted badly, but now the franchise and that organization found a way to get talent around him and they made a finals run. Like sometimes you have to let things breathe, but it obviously has to make sense. So I'm 100% with you there. This season for me is all about the inward, uh, the inward development of Chet getting NBA burn with this roster, the team adjusting to him, J-Dub getting featured more as a, a bigger offensive player in the system even more, and obviously Shea right. just continuing to get better and replicating what he did last year. I feel like if all three of those things 
are met and this team, you know, has a chance to be in the playoffs yet again, I think that's great. Honestly. Mm, agreed. I'm right there with you, man. Um, I think all of those points that you touched on were uh, very important, and I think that's how things will go for us. I do think that's the path to success, as well as getting uh, Giddy to just continue to do the things that he does well, even better, and then improving on those, you know, finite weaknesses in his game that could take him from a really good player to an all-star caliber player, potentially down the line, all-NBA level. Um, so, yeah, man, just seeing all those things improve. And uh, like, like both of us have said, that internal development can't put a price on it. And I think um, our organization is one of the best at that, you know, from our past regime and seeing, you know, Durant and Russ, Ibaka, Harden, Steven Adams, the list goes on and on, all become better players in our organization um, and go from here to here and, you know, whatever aspect um, to now SGA and Giddy and Dort and J-Dub and Chet. Now Kassan's a part of the program. Um, and just seeing everyone improve and make those um, subtle but <laughs> also important adjustments to their game. Yep. Uh, will, will, you know, bow well for success. Yeah, 100%. I'm 100% there with you, Wes. Uh, quickly zooming out from OKC, as an NBA fan, what are your expectations for this season? Do you think we'll have a better year this year than last year? What are you really excited about? What is on your mind as an NBA fan ahead of the 2024 season? Help, man. Help, help, help. Got to knock on wood, man. Just need help. Um, and that's, you know, if we can get a season where, for the, you know, most part, everyone's healthy and we get to see those top dogs at the end of the year battle, but with help, not a bunch of injuries, not a bunch of weird stuff going on, everyone being healthy and getting everybody's best shot. Um, I'm eager to see. Uh, and from the top, like, you go to the East, eager to see, excuse me, how the Bucks adjust with their new coach and what he implements if he brings in a new system, if he puts Giannis in better positions to succeed, um, if Middleton can get back to his old self. Um, all those things, if they can all come together, how good the Bucks will be. Can they get back to championship prominence? Um, can they get back to being a powerhouse or are they still, you know, so close, but so far at the same time, um, Boston, the addition of KP, the subtraction of Marcus Smart, um, and Grant Williams, how everything goes well. Now, Jalen Brown, one of my favorite players is a super max guy. Hey, can you step up? Can, can you clean up some of the weaknesses in your game? Um, and Tatum, can you definitively make yourself a top five NBA player um, and a perennial MVP caliber player? Um, and does that, you know, continue for you? KP, how do you fit um, into a system being 
you know, a third again? Can you be that tertiary star? Or are you going to complain and be upset about touches and not not be happy and then everything goes, you know, pew. Malcolm Brogdon, can he get healthy? Uh, Derek White, can he improve on a really, really good season last year? And Rob Will, Al Horford, can can they stay healthy? How many miles does Al have left? You know, he's he's getting up there in age. Uh, no small feet. Harden with the Sixers. Can oh, they repair yeah. it? <laughs> can they repair it? Does he end up elsewhere? Um, does he get what he wants or does Maury get what he wants? Um, so, so many different storylines. Uh, and B, can you make up for one of the most embarrassing uh, playoff performances I've ever seen personally from an MVP? <laughs> you know how I feel about him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, so many different things, man. Um, down to the bottom of the conference, Masai, will you finally stop being stingy and move off of some of these pieces? You know, can OG find another home? Do you end up just blowing everything up and sending Pascal somewhere? Um, so many different things. Can Gary Trent Jr. be a shooter on the contender that takes them from um, contenders to championship glory? Um, and then we can go to the West and, you know, can Denver repeat? How do they make up for losing Bruce Brown? Jeff Green, even though he didn't have a big, big role, um, he was still a veteran and he played quality playoff minutes for them. Yep. Um, can Peyton Watson and Christian Brown make up for that? Um, can, can they make it an 80, a full 82 with Reggie Jackson as their backup point guard? Pretty nasty work over there. But uh, Nikola Jokic and Mike Malone and Jamal Murray, I think a lot of people trust. Shout out MPJ and Aaron Gordon as well. Uh, the Suns. Hey, can, what can you all make happen? Can you all figure it out? Uh, KD, D-Book, Bradley Bill, DeAndre Ayton still there. Um, now Frank Vogel at the helm. Yeah. How, do, how does this all work? Um, can, can you all make up for for depth with just your top heaviness and can your players step up to to the plate and you know get the job done can you stay healthy as well you know kevin durant um still a phenomenal basketball player but you know age and attrition catches up to everybody and um he hasn't had a, a long season in a while so can he get back to that um debook can he have a season where his hamstrings don't linger and bother him again. Brad, can he stay healthy? You know, Brad is always dealing with something. And Aiden, can he just lock in, man? Can, can, you, in. <laughs> can you prove that you were worthy of that number one overall pick? Or is it just time for them to everybody wash their hands with the situation and move on? Um, then going to Memphis, can they, you know, sustain without Ja? You know, and how does Marcus Smart fit into the equation? Uh, Sacramento, can you all build off of a really good year and take it up another notch? Or are you going to prove a lot of people right? You know, a lot of the naysayers who feel like they're going to come back down to earth. Mm -hmm. um, can, can you replicate the success from last year? Uh, the Clippers, Warriors. Clippers. Clippers, can you stay healthy? Can Kawhi actually... Be, you know, healthy for a playoff run. PG, 
Can he be healthy for a playoff run? Are you gonna um, lose both of these stars while Shea turns into a superstar and I exactly. lose the trade? Like, yeah. Exactly. Um does Russ coming in help you for the regular season? Like having him a full season, does he raise your floor? Or is it another disaster class like it was across the hall with the Lakers? Um, and then for your team, the Warriors. Hey, man, can you all do what needs to be done around Steph to extend his championship window? Or do we see his, his you know, glory days come to an end and him still being top three player in the world, but um, not having the necessary pieces to compete deep in the playoffs now? So, so many different things to talk about, so many things to be excited about. Um can Rudy and Kat get it together? Uh, or or is that a, a matching that just should have never been made? Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited, really eager to have basketball back. We're a little under a month away. Or, or I think, what's today's date? It's the third. The third? So, yeah, we're a little under a, a month away. Well, a little over a month away. Excuse me. And just seeing how everything will, will shape out, you know, I'm happy. Yeah, man. I think that's well said. There's a lot of storylines here because there's so many teams who have answers they need to have by the end of the year. There could be so much player movement this upcoming offseason. And that's why we said earlier, if you're a team that has that flexibility and the draft capital and the assets to trade, you'll be in prime position for next year. Giannis, is he going to resign? He's not signing right now. Kawhi and Paul George could both walk. Like, there's other uh -huh. things at stake here. So, to me, as an NBA fan, I'm going to be eating. I can't wait to sit here and watch these games. Wes, this year, I'm going to be doing something different. Last year, I tried to watch four or five games at a time. I'm not doing that shit no more. I'm going to watch one game. I'm going to have a spreadsheet, and I'm going to literally track how many games I watched. So if I hop in a space and they say gifted, how many games you watch? I'm going to be able to tell you the exact number of games I watch for these ball teams because there's a lot going right. on this year. Agreed, agreed. And a lot of good rookies coming into the league, man. Shout shout the Thompson Twins. Shout Scoot as well. Wimby, generational talent. Can he live up to the hype? Possibly exceed it. Um, a, lot of, a lot of good things coming in to this season, so um i'm excited i know you are as well i know the whole community is excited and uh just eager to see some good hoops this year man you're muted your mic your mic oh, yeah. <laughs> i'm sorry i do that <laughs> oftentimes to make sure the audio is good but i want to say yeah. wes I, I appreciate you stopping by on this episode of the gifted hoops podcast man we've been grinding all off season i've been watching all types of hoops so when the season starts we are officially going to be taking off even more so i appreciate you contributing to mm -hmm. that uh dope basketball mind y'all so make sure to give wes a follow his links and all that will be in the description in the comments as well wes are there any final words you want to say before we get up out of here man just thank you thank you for the opportunity um uh I've, <laughs> since the day i met you on twitter man um I've, I've I felt honored to be connected to you, um, to bounce ideas off of you, 
to um, just talk hoops. You know, so many of us, um, maybe in our close-knit circles at home, might not have that community. But on Twitter, you know, possibilities are endless. There's so many of us that love the game and want, you know, are passionate about it, want to talk about it. So, um, again, yeah, just thank you for the opportunity. I want to continue to lift you up um, and shed the proper light and flowers on you with everything you're doing, um, leading in a positive way, in a great manner, and um, grinding, bro. Always, always grinding. So uh, thank you and, you know, continue success. You know, I'll always be here to support. And, um, yeah, here's to a great season, man. Wish we had some shot glasses. <laughs> but, yeah, bro. Appreciate you, Wes. I appreciate those kind words. I can't wait for the season to start. Uh, for those of you who made it all the way to the end, you can tap in with this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube at Gifted Hoops. All things Gifted Hoops. And we will catch you guys next week for some more NBA content. Peace out, people. Have a good one. Peace.